Hi, everybody. Welcome again to a Diecast Movie Podcast, where the genre of the movie we discuss is decided by Roll the Die, and we also do celebrity interviews, too. Today, we're going to be doing a special episode about the Monster Bash that's coming up October 14th for the 16th of 2022, and I'll be joined by Ron Adams, and we'll also, besides previewing what's coming up in that Monster Bash, we'll be discussing the movie Dracula vs. Frankenstein, the 1971, I guess you could call it a sort of classic. It's a cult classic. I really enjoy it. And Ron and I have a great discussion with it while we were at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, which, as I'm recording this, just finished yesterday. I had a wonderful time at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, and I got to see a lot of the pe- meet a lot of the people that I'd interviewed in the past, either for the first time or again. And I just want to thank... All of them again, Jennifer Savage, Jeremy Ambler, Laura Cayouette, Beverly Washburn, Jimmy Rosen, Jim Rosen, Constant Towers for being so nice and kind to let me interview them earlier and having those episodes go out. And they were so great to meet again, talk to during the three days at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention. And I again want to thank Martin Graham's for holding a great show and all of his volunteers for doing extra work to make sure everybody had a wonderful time and a wonderful experience during the whole three days. Cause that, that show was so special with the money going to St. Jude's children's hospital. It's a very, to me, a very special convention because of that. And I really enjoyed myself and I had a wonderful time. And yes, I have some commitments from some, the different celebrities there for me to be able to interview them. I don't want to say who because I don't want to whammy myself and possibly have bad things happen where it doesn't work out and get your hopes up. But once I get them recorded and in the can, so to speak, I might let some of those slip about who's coming up in the future and so on. But right now I'll just leave a little tease that some of the people there were interviewed. And I will tease one because I did get his interview in the can at the bash Robert Fuller does not do interviews at all anymore and he was so kind to give me 15 minutes with him um, yes it's a short interview but it's very precious to me to have that time he hasn't done any interviews for I think the last like four or five years so it is it's it's a rare thing to get that much time and he was able to fit me in while he was taking a break from his table with his multitude of fans and um, I added some extra stuff with that with people that are with him at the Robert Fuller fandom, like Tony Gill and a couple of the people that are in there to why they appreciate him so much. And a little added bonus, Jennifer Savage, who is Robert Fuller's wife, um, comes back in to talk about how the two of them met and how she enjoyed her experience at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention. So I tried to flush out or flesh out that extra 15 minutes the 15 minutes I had to make it a more of a fuller episode to give you the broader experience of what it's like to be around Robert Fuller and that kind of stuff. So that episode will be coming out in about a month because I have a lot of episodes to get out before Monster Bash that are because um, I'm constrained at that time frame because I want to get them out prior to that. So I do have some interviews and some episodes that are going to be people that are going to be at the Monster Bash that you're going to be hearing down the road. And also, again, I want to thank everybody that's been listening and enjoying the podcast, and I really appreciate everyone 
for taking their time to listen to us. Now, without further ado, I'm going to let it go over to Ron and I talk at the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention, and I'll come back after that. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. And this time, I'm live again from the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Convention. And as always when I'm at the convention, I always keep running into the same person year after year, the man who introduced me to Monster Bash, Mr. Monster Bash himself, Ron Adams. How you doing today, Ron? Oh, great, Steve. It's always oh, and you are one of the nicest guys doing these podcasts, and I really appreciate you you uh, taking time to talk with me. It's great. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for the compliment. But it's just your show is great, Martin's show is great, and the two shows to me are like I said, they're my top two. I'm not going to rank them because each one brings me joy and happiness so i'm always yeah, happy both both martin and myself would see we try to make it fun for you know all of us movie fans because we're fans too exactly and yours i mean his is all all genres all time frames yours is very specific a little more focused yeah, yeah classic monsters which i think brings a different dynamic compared to the two and um I, and that i like that because yours is more like a club atmosphere a family atmosphere it's it's, yeah, it's people a go to, and it can all talk to anybody family picnic of classic monster fans that's kind of what it is every every uh twice a year yeah twice a year and the next one's coming up in october what dates uh 14th 15th and 16th yeah and i'm going to be there and who else do you have coming there because it's a pretty good lineup well we've got uh, joe flaherty who was and and you might not think if you know joe flaherty from uh uh, various films and SCTV. You might not think, oh, where's the monster connection? But uh, first of all, he's from Pittsburgh, which is where our show is. And secondly, he did a running character named Count Floyd, who is a TV horror host. And he is just loved in the Pittsburgh area and, and across the country. It was what a fun, nutty character he developed called Count Floyd. And so we're really happy to have Joe Flaherty, you know, come into Monster Bash. But that's not all. You have somebody I've always wanted to meet. Ron Chaney, maybe? Not Ron Chaney, but Ron Chaney's one, but the, the next one coming up, we're talking about Ron Chaney. Okay, Ron Chaney is Lon Chaney Jr.'s grandson and the great-grandson of, of course, Lon Chaney Sr. Uh, he is... Uh, one of the founding guests at Monster Bash. He was with us in 1997 when we unveiled the uh, the classic monster stamps from the post office because his grandfather was on, uh, grandfathers were on two of them. And uh, we're so happy to have him back. And what's unique, you might think, well, you know, it's, it's not Lon Chaney himself. It's Ron Chaney, his grandson. But Ron spent a lot of his youth with his grandfather, Lon Chaney Jr. He has great stories. He was there with Lon Chaney Jr. He was in the backyard wrestling with his grandfather, watching wrestling on TV. They used to like to do that, going fishing and uh, just driving around with uh, with his grandfather. So he has all kinds of great, great stories about his uh, grandfather. And I know who you were alluding to is uh, a fellow by the name of Zandor Vorkov. Yes. Um, who's in Dracula versus Frankenstein, of course. Which is the movie we'll be talking about in a little while. And I just I just remember watching that movie growing up. And everybody's got certain movies. And I know we'll talk more about it when we get to the movie, but I'm finally going to get to meet Zandor. I'm just like, oh. When, when, I, saw, when I saw he got it added to the lineup, like about a, I think it was like a month and a half ago or something yeah, like that, and I was yeah. like, 
my, you, you couldn't see me, but my eyes lit up. My face was like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's so cool about Xandor is that for decades, no one really knew where he was, and people were looking, like myself, were looking for him. Uh, there were all these rumors circulating that he was a stockbroker in New York City. Um, but he, he was doing lots of different things. And, uh, in fact, I believe he was um, running a church in North Carolina before he retired because um, he was really only in two horror movies, uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein and Brain of Blood, both uh, Sam Sherman productions and Al Adamson directing. Uh, but uh, out of the woodwork, uh, he linked up with a, a friend named Dave who contacted me and has been contacting me for the past year saying, we've got to get him at Monster Bash. And sure enough, it, it all came together for this, uh, this October. We had a cancellation, and that's how it, it kind of came together is um, uh, Chris Costello and her sister Patty were coming to uh, Monster Bash, but Chris had um, uh, different... Uh, obligations because of her job. She's a travel agent, mm -hmm. and she is working for a new company, and she had a whole long training period that happens right during Monster Bash. So she had to bail out and with her sister, and uh, I thought, this is the time. Dave has been bugging me about getting a Z Zandor. So it all worked out, and uh, we're happy to have Zandor of Warkoff at Monster Bash October 14th, 15th, and 16th in Pittsburgh. I know, and you're going to have your usual some of your usual people there. I think you have Dave the Rock Nelson coming. <laughs> yes, Dave. He is uh, an enigma along the convention circuit. If uh, It's almost impossible not to have heard about him if you're on the Internet. He is one of the hugest self-promoters on the planet. Uh, he makes uh, you know fan movies, uh, and he is just uh, one crazed individual with a good heart, Knows his movies, but he is one one nut. He's kind of like our. Have you ever seen the Andy Griffith show? Uh, what's the guy that throws rocks through windows? Uh, Ernest T. Bass. Yes. He's kind of the Ernest T. Bass of the convention circuit, and we love him. He's he's fun. He's nutty, uh, but he's got a lot of heart, and he uh, always is very enthusiastic about telling people to to get out there and do what the, what their dreams are and make them happen. And for listeners wondering if all goes well, I should have an interview with David, Dave the Rock Nelson that you'll be able to hear leading up to Monster Bash. And I finally got this last Monster Bash, I finally got attacked by the devil ant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear your podcast with Dave the Rock Nelson. I'm wondering if I'm going to hear you even say a word or two. <laughs> well, I have to at least be able to open and end it. So it's a, for the power of editing, I might be able to put myself in at other spots. <laughs> it's going to be entertaining. I know that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Ron was the one who suggested. He said you got to interview. And Ron tells me to interview somebody. Back way long ago, when the podcast first started, I showed up to Monster Bash, and I said to Ron, "It was October Bash." I said, "Who? Who do you think I should interview?" And Ron's like, "Oh, you should talk to Donnie Dunnigan. Donnie Dunnigan. You got to get him." And I was able to interview Mr. Dunnigan, Victoria Riskin, you know, and those kind of stuff. And those those were wonderful people, wonderful interviews that you were able to bring to the bash. And I think people. Don't realize you get these opportunities. You got to seize them. But it's not just the celebrities that you have at the bash. You also do a lot of other fun things. You have monster movies. 
You have some seminar type stuff. We have quiz shows now that are really have turned out to be super fun. Uh, Tom Weaver started a few years ago doing what we call the brain twist quiz where he, you know, quizzes people on trivia for classic monster movies. And it's just tons of fun the way uh, he handles it. And now Leonard Hayhurst, who is on our staff, uh, does Monster Match Game, which is a spinoff of the old Match Game show with some of the guests of honor and notables. Uh, and, it, and it's really fun. And he does what I love is something called What's My Monster, where the uh, attendees get to get called up and uh, and pick a monster and, and that only the audience knows. And there's a panel of classic monster experts that have to try to you know figure out what the monster is by asking questions but the audience knows but the uh, panelists do not and it's it's just really fun really fun and listeners they don't stack the deck too much they don't let ron be on the panel otherwise otherwise nobody would get too far so <laughs> thankfully they don't have him up there as one of the people trying to guess the monster that you're you're trying to pass through <laughs> because your knowledge of monster movies classic monster movies is there's the encyclopedia, and then there's Ron, and well, so you go by Ron. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good. I, the Psychotronic Handbook is 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 the go-to, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think if we had you and Tom Weaver on there, I don't think anybody would get more than a couple of, of questions. <laughs> Weaver <in>. is <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, he is a, a total expert. And you also have a fun atmosphere in that on Friday nights you have taco. Yeah, monster, Mexican monster movie, and you have tacos. You give out the you give food to people. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah. Every Friday night at our Monster Bash shows, um, we we run a, a classic Mexican monster movie, and that's they're their own little world. It's like you know, there's the Universal monsters, and there's Hammer, and there's just monster movies in general. But the the Mexican monster movies are their own little wacky fun world of vampires and mummies, and it's it's just. Fun stuff. So we, so we, uh, during that, we pass out free tacos and burritos to the audience, and that's always a, a, a favorite thing. And we do, you know, Saturday nights we do free cake in the lobby for, you know, as long as it lasts. We do five giant sheet cakes, hundreds of pieces of cake, and uh, people people love that. It's it's funny that at registration, our Monster Bash registration, uh, the first question people usually ask them is, when's cake? <laughs> you know, it's not like, is Xander Vorkov here? It's like, when's cake? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, but uh, we love doing it. We, we rapid fire pass out cake to people uh, in the lobby every Saturday night at Monster Bash. And not only did he sugar you up then, the reason he has to give you the cake then is so you have the energy to stay because later Saturday, they don't just give you cake. If you're in the audience and and, and, and you could you'd never be there at your own risk, but they will throw stuff to you, <laughs> books, DVDs, Blu-rays, magazines, um, toy things, a whole bunch of different the, stuff. The free prize toss is midnight every Saturday night uh, during the hotel monster bashes, and we just hundreds of prizes we throw out, like Steve said, you know, DVDs, Blu-rays, books, magazines, uh, and fun toys, just old, you know, like, goofy little monster toys we just pass we toss out you know hundreds of these things to the audience and it's it's just fun it is and, and people are, they're all there like come on they're all hoping i mean you know we're all hoping something comes your way <laughs> and um, but just be alert yeah and be alert 
be alert. <laughs> you must stay. We we always give the disclaimer. You've got to be be alert because things are flying through the air. And uh, but you do get to if you catch something, you get to keep it. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want it, if you don't want to get a chance to get hit. Leave. I mean, there's nobody forcing you to stay in there. It's all your choice, your risk. And it, but it's always a packed room of people with their arms up in the air, like, please throw, throw something towards me. But just before the prizes get tossed, there is something you've been doing for a number of years now. The song. Oh, the Festival of the New Wine song. If anyone uh, listening, and I'm sure many people are uh, familiar with the movie Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, there's a song in there called Festival of the New Wine. And one of our staffers, Bob Pellegrino, uh, is in Lederhosen, looking like someone from an old German village, uh, singing the Festival of the New Wine song. And the whole audience just joins in. It's it's just really wonderful camaraderie of classic monster fans. And for listeners wondering what the song is like or whatever, I'll play it at the end. And if Ron's able to send me <laughs> an audio version of Bob singing with it, I'll put that at the end. If not, I'll put the movie version at the okay. end. All right. So that way you'll get a taste of what's to come. And when you hear and after that song, that's when the prizes start coming. Yes, so. indeed. <laughs> so if that, that, that's your warning to um, to exit stage right, so to speak, or left, or whatever the case you're facing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I'm looking forward to the show. And also, there's one other thing you give out, and that's in one of the mornings you have car- some, some, some cartoons and you give out cereal. Oh, yeah, this, uh, that's Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. We do uh, cartoons, just like we, we, the way we, most of us grew up was watching cartoons and eating cereal. So we, you know, pass out those little mini boxes of uh, the kind of cereal that you can eat with your fingers, uh, you know, whether it be sugar pops or I guess they're called corn pops now, um, or Apple Jacks and Cheerios and, you know, mini frosted wheats. We pass out the little, so everyone's munching on cereal, watching cartoons, just like we did when we were eight years old. And so, so it's a fun time. Everybody can bring their families. There's something for everybody. I've seen people there of all ages. I've seen people from infants all the way to, what it, I guess we'll say like a hundred, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I like mean, those Lego we really do have, you know, <laughs> upper senior citizens yeah, as well as all the way down to like families with their little kids. And uh, we try to keep the whole show very family friendly. Yeah. And you do a great job of it. And again, October 14th through the 16th. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's at the Marriott Pittsburgh North. Yeah, and if you, the website is uh, www.monsterbash.us, not .com, but .us, monsterbash.us. And um, for those that are coming, I'll have that, or want to come, I'll have that in the show notes. You can click on it or be on the Facebook page. You can click on the link and go take you right to it. And the mothership is in case for some reason that link doesn't work for you, creepyclassics.com. And you can go from there right in the header to click on Monster Bash. Yep. And then, of course, next year it'll be in June. We'll talk about that when we get the next year. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. But the movie we're talking about basically features two of the guests, so to speak. You know, because you have Ron Chaney coming, Lon Chaney Jr.'s grandson. Right. And as we already said, Xandor, Dracula versus Frankenstein. Right, and, and Xandor was Dracula. Exactly. Yeah. And there's also another Monster Bash connection is uh, someone that we had from the very first Monster Bash until he passed away. Forrest J. Ackerman was uh, a guest, I think, for about eight of our shows, nine of our shows. And, uh, of course, in the movie, he gets uh, he gets roughed up by the Frankenstein monster. 
Yes, he does, and and get and gets the the hug of death, so yes. to speak. <laughs> And he, Ford, he always talked about how it ruined his suit that he was wearing because <laughs> he ended up in mud or something when he fell down. Well, know. that's what you do when you're an actor. You yeah. Know, you, you, sometimes you suffer the perils of, of <laughs> your craft. Now, listeners, I will tell you, by most people's accounts, this would probably be considered um, a bad movie. But for me, I've always loved it. And it's it, there's, there's the special effects and stuff like that are, are not – the greatest it's definitely you know a lower budget film but it always brings a smile to my face and i enjoy watching it and i was so glad when you picked it because i tell you when i rolled a die to decide what john we're going to pick every time i have ron with me and i'm not kidding i rolled the dang thing and it's always like classic car i don't even have that on the dice i ron has some kind of mystic power over my dice <laughs> <laughs> well yeah dracula versus frankenstein is one of those ultimate guilty pleasures it, you know it's it's one of the f most fun bad movies out there um it is super low budget but the what it isn't is boring it's every it's not at least really bad more movies to me are movies that are low budget and boring uh, where nothing happens people are just standing around a room talking this uh there's all kinds of craziness in it. I mean, it's not boring. It is low budget, but it's not boring. And to give people an idea, what's the, can you give a general little synopsis of what the movie's about? I'm passing this to you because I didn't want to try to even approach this idea because this, this, this movie goes all over the place. I've been trying to figure that out for <laughs> decades. <you know? laughs> um, it's, you know, you got... Um, Doctor, a descendant of Dr. Frankenstein, played by uh, veteran actor J. Carol Nash, who's running the Sideshow Carnival. Uh, I don't know how he got there, but that's where he is, and that's what he's doing. And he's got a hidden laboratory, and he um, is going to be reviving the, the Frankenstein monster. Dracula intervenes and wants to take control of everything. Um, I, I mean, I could just kind of go on with snippets of what, it's in the movie how it all kind of comes together well it's maybe it doesn't come together but it's all there and there's pieces of another movie that al adamson and sam sherman were working on um that are in a motorcycle film which chunks of that are in there too uh just kind of like uh, shoehorned into this movie um but it's all just crazy very very 70s i mean early 70s it is um definitely got both feet in the early 1970s like hippie uh psychedelic kind of uh feel to it um <laughs> and then somehow it's mashed into classic monsters as well one cool thing that is not low budget and is really neat to see is kenneth strickfadden's Frankenstein laboratory equipment, which was used in the original Frankenstein in 1931, the Universal, and many, I mean, scores of other movies at Universal and other studios as well, serials. You'll see all this, like, laboratory equipment, Tesla coils and buzzing and whirling things. Um, but that was all Kenneth Strickfadden, and he was back um, – for Dracula versus Frankenstein, you get to see, I think, maybe for the only time, uh, in color, all that laboratory equipment, which is really neat to see again. I, I love that because it has that touch of 
past history being brought back 40 years later. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I always mentioned, because the movie came out, I think, I believe, if I remember, 1971. So it was, and a lot of it was filmed since 1971 or 70, 1969, being that it was a couple movies put <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah. And you definitely get that late 60s beginning vibe. Because I always very feel like early. movies that are like the very beginning of a decade, they're always representative of the last dec- the decade yeah. prior to it. And you got the hippie culture, and you got this one guy who's probably got to be in his 40s or whatever, or late 30s, acting like, you know, I'm all, I'm all hip. You know, he's wearing the thing. And you're looking at him, you're like, you, you look like the dad that's trying to wear the clothes his teenagers are wearing and, and say the same words. It's just, it's just, And I find that, you know, to me, because you still see that with people. Like, yeah. you know, women sometimes wearing clothes that they shouldn't wear, men wearing clothes they shouldn't wear. And you're just looking at it like, you're not pulling it off like you think you do. <laughs> <laughs> now, also, another throwback uh, to classic Hollywood uh, is Angela Rosito. He is um, the little person in the movie who is uh, works for Dr. Beaumont, the alias Dr. Frankenstein at the carnival, as a barker. And uh, he, he has been in movies um, since the 1920s, uh, I think the earliest I've seen him in is a movie called Sorrows of Satan from 1927. Uh, and he was all the way up to the Mad Max movies. He's in uh, Mad Max. Um, so he had a hu- long, long career. And it's it's cool to see Angelo Rosito in the movie, too. You look at it. So on the bad guy side, with Dr. Frankenstein... You got Dr. Frankenstein's descendant. Right. You have Lon Chaney Jr. playing one of his henchmen, who's <laughs> who's mute. And you have um, Angela Rosito, as you said, playing the other one. So you've got this, this great little cast right there. And they're all doing so well at it. And it, it's amazing because I know for Lon Chaney and for J. Carroll Nash, this was their final film. Right. right. Well, I think Chaney did one more after this. Oh, so one more. So just pra- yeah. practically his final film. It's always yeah. hard to tell, like, what was the last one they filmed or what was the last right, one released. Right. It's like, yeah. when you look at it's like, yeah. it always makes it interesting to try to figure that all out. Yeah. And when I was a young boy, when I saw this film on TV, I remember what stayed with me forever and it still stays with me today and i've rewatched it not that long ago from i knew you and i were going to talk about it is the scene of lon cheney and the puppy at the oh, end yeah which is which is kind of a, an allusion to of mice and men where he's uh you know has puppies uh that he's uh, enamored with in that movie which i always feel to me people always say what was lon cheney's best film and i always love i always think in my opinion of mice and men was his the best I've ever seen him. Mean, there's a lot of them where he's come close to it. But that, for me, is if anybody asks me what his best film is, it's Of Mice and Men with Burgess uh, Meredith. It is definitely a, a top, top film. Uh, for any, not just for Lawn, but for any, uh, any, everything about that movie is great. Burgess Meredith, the direction, the, everything is uh, the story by Steinbeck. It's great stuff. And you know, you know, it had the cultural effect because all the cartoons and everything were always doing Lenny. You know, some version of Lenny, like the Warner Brothers oh, cartoons, yeah. and all the stuff. And Lots it had such a cultural hit. You know, where it went on for decades and still goes on today. When yeah. anybody does that version, they're doing what Lon Lenny. Chaney did, yeah. which tells you yeah. it was such a cultural hit. But that that it really. And I have to admit, when I was a young boy and I saw this, I did not know that was Lon Chaney Jr. So I'm just looking. It's, it's a guy playing the role. 
And it touched me so much, the scene with him while he's petting the dog and all this stuff. And then he would do the transformation when he'd become more evil. Was that old Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde? I mean, yeah, I think they were on? billing him as like a zombie or something, but who knows? <laughs> I really, I, I couldn't figure out what exactly was going on. The best I could think was they kept giving him a serum, an injection. And, yeah, and, and it's he would just get like, wacky, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he needed the injection to stay normal. Or, right, or, which way it was going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever, you know. Listeners, you watch it and you, you can tell us what you thought about it. It was just kind of, it's one of those things that makes you, if you try to make sense of this movie, I think you'll go, you'll go, cra- you'll go crazy and end up in Spider Baby. Just, <laughs> just sit back and let it happen. <laughs> and it's not boring. It's, it's just nutty fun. But I enjoyed his acting so much that as a, as a boy, I just remembered that. And it wasn't until decades later that I finally put together that it was Lion Chain Jr. And of Mice and Men. And of Mice yeah, and Men. It all, yeah. it all clicked. But I, that, that's, without saying any words, I don't know. It just had a, a thing with me. It stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. It was, and and Chaney, uh, th- like you mentioned about Of Mice and Men being a great movie, my favorite horror movie of Lon's uh, was his performance uh, – uh, as Larry Talbot, but not in The Wolfman. I think Frankenstein meets The Wolfman. He, Lon's performance is absolutely great. He's uh, he's a little more subdued, but he's still t- uh, such a tragic you know character. And of later roles, um, you know, a lot of people note Spider Baby, and that is a good one. But he is terrific in The Haunted Palace um, as a as a henchman uh, to the warlock Vincent Price. Um, that's a great later role for for Lon as well, and 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 he was almost always able to bring in great performances. We all know he had some issues with alcohol, but usually he was able to. If he had, do you it. know, if he had a good director and a good production, he was tops. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it had, you know, uh, maybe some of the lesser ones would, you know, c- can be attributed really not to Lon but to the direction and production. Um, like Dracula versus Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, f- I think we can credit Lon with doing everything on this. And may- maybe maybe Jake Carl Nash helped him bring a little something to it, but it's uh, yeah. it's an interesting film. <laughs> yeah. And what I follow is it because it's Dracula versus Frankenstein, and in the opening scene, Dracula goes and gets the Frankenstein's monster and brings it to the descendant to help you know to revive him. And it all comes down to this serum that they're trying to get from young women just before, like, they, they cut their heads off, and then there's something, then they put them back together, and they're still alive. How this all works, don't worry about it. And and, and you get the, the blood to get the serum to try to bring them back. You've done more figuring out on this than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit back and let it go. <laughs> well, I was only trying to figure it out because I knew we were going to be talking about it recently. So this is just like, okay, let, let me give it a go. And then let me try to piece this together. Because I own, yes, I do own a Blu-ray version of me Dracula. Too. Me too. Style, Everybody so. does, right? <laughs> Well, everybody that has that that sense of fun and wonderment—it's it's the ultimate guilty pleasure. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, Dracula versus Frankenstein. But do you have it? Yeah, I get, I do have it in my collection. Yeah. Well, unlike you, <laughs> I don't consider it a guilty pleasure because I just get pleasure from it. So I'm, I, I, I at least own it. People ask me, I say, yeah, I watch Dracula versus Frankenstein. And they're like, you and own it? You do? And I'm like. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, if I was to go, I'm sure if I go through movies you like, there's going to be a movie we'll come across that you like a lot. And I'm going to be like, you do. I mean, that's just the difference between yeah. everybody. We're all going to have movies that some people are going to be like, you like that, and I'll be like, 
Yeah, and other people are going to be like, no, that's hey, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That I love yeah. it. We can have discussions about it, but I never, I never pick on somebody because they want they like a certain movie that I I don't right, like right, or right. whatever. But that's uh, the point. Al Adamson was a low budget director though, and um, one thing that uh, so was so fitting. A friend of mine. Uh, who you know from Monster Bash, Bob Pellegrino, he got to meet Al Adamson at a uh, Chiller Theater convention, and I said, "Wow!" And he said, "He says, yeah, I got got his autograph." And he said, "You know what he was signing? Photocopies uh, for a dollar." <laughs> But, you know, and I'm thinking like, wow, that's really cool if you, you know, that you have that. But it's just somehow so fitting that Al Adamson was selling photocopy photos for a dollar where (laughs) that's that just that's Al Adamson. (laughs) And. Oh, I, mean, I wish I would have had a chance to meet him. I'm, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, I wish I would have met him. Yeah, I would have loved to have talked to him. You'd love to have him at Monster Bash. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he would have been great. And he probably would have been selling photocopies for a dollar. But. <laughs> yeah, the fans would love it. Yeah. If he did, he'd have a mo- he'd have a line going out the door, which yeah. would make you a happy guy too. Either yeah. way, he would be happy. It was a, uh, but Zandor. This guy, as we talked about, this was his first movie. If I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, and I think yeah, then Brain of Blood shortly afterwards, yeah. What I loved about, and now there's two versions of this thing that you got to look at during the film. There's the film, all the stuff they filmed originally, and then they wouldn't film an extra bit for the ending. And the makeup for that does not match the makeup no, for everything yeah. prior. So you got to take that into account when you're when the, you're. The main notable film. thing you'll see is the dark under the eyes and the pasty face of uh, of Dracula. Yeah, it changes, yeah. But I love how they did his voice. <laughs> he's, he's in constant reverb mode. Yeah, yeah. And Because when I was young, when I, again, I think I was like eight, nine years old when I saw this. And I was just like, you hear the voice, it's like, whoa, that's, that's real cool. It's like, because it had that, that supernatural sound from it coming from a different world. And, and he was yeah. echoing the whole way through the movie, yep. I, I enjoyed it. I went yeah. with it. And I also enjoyed it. Dracula's got a ring that shoots oh, out beams. That was cool, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had this like devil-like looking ring that uh, you know he would hold up and it would shoot this animated ray out of it. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's the movie is full of stuff. It's all just you know they threw the kitchen sink into this thing. And Dracula is not in there a lot. Like he starts off in the beginning, shows up about again. I think what twenty thirty minutes in disappears for a while again and then comes back at different spots and then and then he's on he's in the rest of the for film. the big finale yeah, yeah for the big yeah. like the last like uh 15 20 minutes he's more prominently in there because you're looking at you're thinking this is dracula versus frankenstein okay we saw frankenstein and dracula at the beginning and then it goes into the, the lon cheney being an axe murderer type thing <laughs> and uh it, it, it sets up and it, it somehow again listen this all works at least to Ron and me. <laughs> it all works. And eventually, you know, Dracula brings Frankenstein to him. They re- they revive the monster. The monster takes out Ackerman because Dr. Was it Beaumont? Yeah. Was, or Beaumont was the one that discredited the descendant of Dr. J. Carol Nash's character. So they got the revenge. And But I love it, the scene where Force J. Ackerman's driving the car. Oh, that's a classic scene. And yeah. And next he's like, Xandor's next to him. And you know they were next to each other the whole time, but now the camera just panned over like to show him. Right, right. Yeah, so I just love it because like, you knew they were there the whole time, and then the camera just pulls back, and boom, and Jake and, and Forrest Ackerman's like, oh! 
Dracula's there. How did he get in? Nobody knows. <laughs> then he gets out of the car, walks right into the Frankenstein monster. And oh, the monster rips the door off. If I remember right, doesn't he? No, he. Opens oh no, that up the was car. with the teenagers yeah, the or teenage. the supposed teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah the teenage movie teenagers. Yeah, as right, right, them. right. But yeah, the um, yeah, Jake, uh, 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 Forrest Ackerman gets. Uh, well, wait, look at it. He had Dracula in the car, or he could take the chance with the monster outside the car. He had a reason to get out of the car, right? But uh, either way, he was. It wasn't. It wasn't going to be a good ending for Forey. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and, but the reason I say Dracula was like a, like a the, one of the toughest ones I've ever seen. Because usually when you see Dracula versus Frankenstein, they don't really fight. they fight, but they don't really fight. Like Dracula's always pushing stuff out, or like like in um. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Right. You right. always saw Dracula pushing the cards and trying to keep stuff, trying to keep away from the monster. Like he was worried, like, if the monster got grips on me, I'm in trouble. This Dracula is like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to take you apart like the way Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein put you together. And he's, it's almost like a um, Mighty Python Holy Grail moment yes, going on here. That's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yep. and, and, and I guess I did spoil some of the movie. I'm sorry, but I don't think you could spoil this movie because the enjoyment is just the, is the whole ride. I just, yeah, I mean, don't worry about the story, or the plot, or anything. Spoilers. It's just, it's just a ride, as you said. Yeah. Now, one thing we do have to bring up, as we did talk a little bit about the makeup of Xandor, um, I'll let you discuss the uh, the Frankenstein monster. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, the uh, the makeup. I mean. There is some resemblance to the Universal Frankenstein, but man, it looks like they caked on the oatmeal on his face. Uh, it is, he is one uh, wild-looking Frankenstein monster, that's for sure. And the actor that played him is John Bloom, uh, who you might know if you've seen the incredible two-headed transplant. He's the larger uh, guy that gets the head transplanted onto his body in that movie. But he was a big, big guy. I, I don't recall exactly how tall he was, but he might have been pushing seven foot. Yeah. And if, if I remember reading right, they had two different, when we did the reshoots, it was a different person in the monster costume. Oh, I didn't read that. I didn't know yeah, that. Cause, cause yeah, because one is the monster and one is the creature. Oh, so okay. The, so there was two people. So most of the movie, I believe, was, John Bloom. John Bloom. And then when they did the reshoot, because I think they did that in New York or something like that, if I remember mm. right. And that's when they had another person. Ah, okay. I, I did not know there was a second person. Yeah. Oh, I could have won a contest. Uh, yes, you could have. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tom Weaver would have saved you. You know that. <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't have gotten too far <laughs> in the thing. But it's, you know, the movie's done. And I think when I look at it, yes. The costuming is, or the monster makeup is poor, but they do do a line of dialogue where Dracula says the unfinished monster that he was making. You know, <laughs> so it does throw a little thing like it, it's it's a work. It was a work in progress. He was half baked. Yeah, yeah, half baked. Yeah, half baked. It, it didn't rise all the way up in the face. <laughs> and uh, so they do have that lot of dialogue in it. But I like about it is for people that are young that are starting to get into movie making, the independent movie making, they can realize you can come out with something that is fun and entertaining. And it doesn't have to look big budget perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I think for young filmmakers that were rising up, and people like you, I think you, if I remember, you used to do films yourself when you were a boy. And this course was after you were you were a little older then. But I mean, 
It's oh, I, yeah, I was maybe it. 12 or something, yeah, and, and my buddy, school buddy Bruce Gurney and I made all kinds of, you know, amateur monster movies. Yeah, but when you see a movie like this, if you were 12, you'd be like, oh, I could do something like that. It, yeah, it, yeah. So, yeah, you can it's look at it. It's inspirational, yeah. I can do this. I can pull this off. And then, and they just did that in a movie I saw in the theater or I saw on TV. I can, And I think that's the whole point is that anybody can do these things. You might not be able to do it with the special effects that they have nowadays in the real big budget films, but nobody, unless they have the big budget, can do it like that. I mean, but you have to work your way up. Yeah. Um, hey, to sidetrack one quick second, Steve, uh, another guest that's coming to this uh, Monster Bash is Johnny Whitaker. Um, and while most people would know him from Family Affair, and he's actually has a huge resume of, of various TV and movie projects, but in particular, he did a movie called The Mystery in Dracula's Castle, uh, which was um, a Disney film, and the story is so fitting for the Monster Bash crowd because it's about two kids making monster movies. It's it's two young kids making a Dracula movie, which kind of ties into what you were just talking about. That's what reminded me is that, you know, kids being inspired to make monster movies. So that, you know, that's kind of perfect that Johnny Whitaker played a monster kid making monster movies as a kid. So and he'll be at Bash as well. And, and for uh, listeners also wondering, of course, Johnny Whitaker, um, Sigmund and the Seema. Absolutely, yes. City Monsters. Marty Croft Show. City Marty Croft Show. And we, I've done some other interviews of people that are in City Marty Croft Show, like the Land of the Lost cast, mm-hmm. Wesley York, Kathy Coleman, right. Sharon Bard, who was in so many Sidney Marty Croft TV yeah. shows and was a Mouseketeer. So, you know, listeners, and hopefully I'll be able to get an interview with Mr. Whitaker and that you might be able to hear before the bash, or maybe I'll be able to talk to him at bash and get an interview with yeah, him there. Yeah. And it's just great that they again you have these opportunities and these and hopefully the, and everybody's been so nice to let me interview them. Oh, yeah, and that's one thing at bash you really can spend time with a guest of honor and and talk to them. They'll give you the the time of day and talk to you. It's very laid back and very fan friendly, and it's like it is. It's a big family picnic. Yep, yeah, and as I say, I think I, I think we and I hit everything we wanted to with dracula versus frankenstein at that point i don't I, yeah I, I, it's uh it's it's just it's a ride i like how you described it as a, you sit back and it's a ride from beginning to end <laughs> it is and there's there's things we left out so you, you definitely enjoy it and we didn't talk about everything because we don't want to spoil it all but i mean we did highlight the two it is dracula versus frankenstein it is low budget it is a whole lot of fun and the other thing that's a lot of fun that is also inexpensive compared to a lot of other conventions because you go to those for-profit conventions that some of them they're charging like $60, $75 just to get in the door. And then they're charging you VIP, fast lane passes, all this other stuff, this crazy stuff. But Monster Bash, just like Mid-Atlantic, keeps themselves both family-friendly, not only in atmosphere, but in pricing. And I think, especially nowadays with the economy the way it is, that's something you got to look at as bang for your buck. And you get really good bang for your buck at Monster Bash. And we're almost nonstop. I mean, it it goes from, uh, we actually kind of do a pre-show on Thursdays where uh, our projectionist is already just doing a free-for-all film screenings. And then it's almost, I mean, we really only shut down for about three or four hours each night until Sunday at 5. 
Well, Jeff Reed, the projectionist, does need to get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, luckily, he does have some help. Uh, both Ted and Tom help him out in projection. Um, and also, uh, TV horror host Son of Ghoul helps out projecting at times, too. Um, but, yeah, as far as the pricing goes, uh, in advance, it's $40 for the entire weekend. Um, at the door, it'll be $60 for the entire weekend or $25 a day. Um, so, I mean, like Steve said, compared to a lot of other shows, it is pretty darn inexpensive. And you get a lot of nonstop entertainment. You get to meet stars. You get to shop uh, 150 vendor tables of classic collectibles. So it's, it's, there's, it's a lot of fun. And I always look at it, and I love it about both conventions. You can go up and talk to the celebrity. If you don't want to buy an autograph or pay first, like to get a picture with them, that's fine. You can go up and talk with them for a few minutes or if their table's not as busy for a little longer and ask your question that you've been always wanting to ask. And everybody that's been at both these conventions, yours and theirs, are always so accommodating, always so nice and kind. And, and they're there because they love hearing what you got from their work and it's it's and every when the people i've interviewed they just feel that love coming from both sides so yeah feel free if you if, you know money's tight you could still go up pay all you do is pay the admission you can go talk to the celebrities and everything like that and then you know go watch the movies and listen to the q a's yeah yeah it's yeah and and for again the information you can get it at www.monsterbash.us you can also call 724-238 4317 724-238-4317 that goes directly to me so it rings a lot so if i don't uh answer make sure you leave a voicemail and i will call you back and ron i want to take uh, thank you again for taking time because i know he's walked away from his creepy classic some boop to come over here and do this you know chat with me about monster bash and the dracula versus frankenstein and i'm looking forward to being up at your way again in literally a month. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up quick. And one other thing, listeners didn't notice, but today I'm interviewing Ron. It's his birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ron. It's amazing. You're like Jack Benny. You're still 39. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish my knees still felt that way. But, yeah, thank you very much, Steve. Thank you, Ron. Again, I hope everybody enjoyed Ron and I talking about the Monster Bash and Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yes, I do own a Blu-ray of it. Yes, it's not considered a good movie. I've always loved it, as Ron and I said. We just enjoy it. We have a good time. It puts a smile on our faces. And we are both talking about both those things without any notes in front of us. We are both going totally, totally by memory. So if we're a little off on a, a detail or two, please forgive us. You know, we try to do our best. But when you're in the middle of a convention and things are going on around you, sometimes it, you get a little jostled around and thrown off. Um, again, if you enjoyed the episode, please send feedback to diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our Facebook page and leave me a message there on our Facebook page at Diecast Movie Podcast. Or you can even send me a direct message. It's usually, if you're on the Facebook, I have the link there now so you can directly message the show. Our next episode is going to be another Hammerama episode where Alistair and I we're going to be talking about the Vampire Lovers, and we are joined by two of the co-hosts of the Decades of Horror podcast, the classic era, Daphne and Whitney. And Whitney, as you know, I interviewed earlier, and you'll get to meet Daphne. And I hope you guys all enjoy that because it seems like a lot of people have been enjoying the Hammerama. 
and um, Alistair and I have just been having a joy doing all those episodes and having so much fun trying to find different ways to talk about movies that so many people have talked about in the past. So I'm going to end the episode with a promo for Hammerama. So if you haven't heard any episodes, we have six other episodes out already. And I hope you go back and look at you know, our archives and find them and enjoy them as much as we, Alistair and I have had fun and enjoyment doing them. Thank you all. We really appreciate everybody. And thanks for listening and giving us your time. On to the promo. I'm Al from New Zealand. And I'm Stephen from Maryland, USA. We are Hemorama. Welcome to our new podcast, Enter Freely. And of your own will. Part of the multi-award-nominated Diecast Movie Podcast, Hammerama is a wide look at the world of hammer horror from either side of the globe. Each month, we will throw a die to decide which category from the film Vault of Hammer we are going to discuss. The Dracula, Frankenstein, or Mummy Cycles, science fiction, prehistory, or the experimental 1970s. We will cast our international eyes across, then and now, reviews of the movie. Its place in the Hammerverse. Our encounters with the stars. A film poster critique. And unusual associated merchandise. So join us for our bite-sized discussion of Hammer's gory glories, stitched together from both ends of the earth. Hammerama is a proud part of the Diecast Movie Podcast.